hey, I want to I uh, have a couple of announcements that I want to kind of go through. Um, who enjoyed Family Day last week? Anybody enjoy Family Day? I, I enjoyed Family Day. Uh, we, we had a blast. Listen, we have our next, oh, I didn't even know that was going to be up there. Look at that. It's my family. My family's beautiful. Look at my girls. I can say stuff like that because I have a microphone. Um, but we have another family day coming up December the 5th. December the 5th. It's going to kick off our Christmas season. Is it weird to think that we're already talking Christmas? Like we, last, week we were, last week we were sitting in our staff meeting. It's like we're planning Christmas right now. And it just like it kind of felt weird and dirty. It's like should we talk about Christmas right now? It's like we haven't even had Halloween and we haven't even had Thanksgiving yet. But it's like we got we to gotta talk about Thanksgiving before we talk about Christmas. It, where's the family that has to get through Thanksgiving before they talk about Christmas? You are close to Jesus. Where's the people that do Christmas like now? We're going to pray for your soul. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you want to do Christmas before all these other holidays. Christmas year round. Some people leave y'all's lights up like it's Christmas year round. But, but December, December the 5th, man, we're going to kick off our Christmas season. We're going to have, we're, we're working on getting an ice skating rink. Uh, we're going to have some snow for the kids. Man, we're going to have a blast. Um, here's the, I selfishly want to bring back the, the bull again because it was fun. Like, I think the adults <laughs> like the bull more than the kids did. I want to see some of y'all try that one more time. Another announcement that we have today, we have our group launch today, so we'll have our group leaders in the lobby, uh, we'll have our group leaders uh, re really ready to fill their groups. If you notice the cards in your chair, you can scan those, take a look at all of our groups. Brittany will be mentioning that at the end of service as well. There's a couple people that, that I want to shout out. Man, is Sam in the room? Did he walk out? He might have walked out, but Sam, there he is back there, Sam and, and Brian King. Man, I want to give you guys a shout out because I think... I think you guys started probably our first two groups that we ever had. I know that Brian started one with Bob and Sue Hackendorf, and, and man, you had one, really it was in Concord, and then it moved out here, and you've, just, you've had a group for the past four plus years, and, and man, I just want to commend you for that. There's other individuals that, that have had groups here, but groups are important. All the time I hear individuals say, whether it be at this church or another church, well, I just never, I never got involved in the church. I never found something that I like. What we say here is do what you love with people that you love. There, there's no excuse. So if you pull up that group list and you don't see a group that you like, then find something that you're passionate about and that you're interested in and start the group. Remember what we talked about last week. Don't just be a consumer. Don't just be someone that takes and takes and takes. What are you giving? What are you giving? There's a few people in the room that I want to ask a question to. Hey, anybody have a motorcycle? Raise your hand if you have a motorcycle. My people, right? Well, not really my people because my wife has refused to let me get a motorcycle. But I'm under... What is that? We... <laughs> what? <laughs> no. No. Okay. I have the microphone. <laughs> Raise your hand if you have a, have a, have a motorcycle. Look, they're all well, like, they're healthy, they're alive, they're here. Here's the thing. Hey, if you start a group, then I can get a motorcycle because then it's spiritual, right? So, so start a group. Start, start a group. Hey, who, who likes shoes in the room? Who likes, like, like sneakers? All right, I, I, my people. Start a group because then I can justify buying more shoes, all right? Then we can, like, just sit and talk about. But no, here, really, do what you love with people that you love. There, there's individuals in this room, and they're starting a volleyball group. They're starting a basketball group. Man, we have uh, Bible study groups. We have book clubs. We have all types of groups. Please make sure you get involved. Last big announcement that we have 
Next Saturday, we have our tailgate at Davidson College. Our Wildcats are playing against San Diego. Man, I'm excited about that uh, because I I love football and I love good tailgate food. Why do we take time at the beginning of service to, to mention announcements? If you go to some churches, like they'll never say an announcement. But, but I like talking about what's going on in the church because church is more than the four walls on a Sunday morning. Everything that we mentioned, just we, what we just talked about was uh, community with one another. What we just talked about were things going on outside of the church. So make sure you get involved in something. If you don't, that's on you, not on me. There I go. I'm off my soapbox on that now. Here we go. Week, week number two. Who, who brought their booklets today? Who brought their booklets? That's what I'm talking about. Raise your hand if you forgot your booklet. That's okay. We, we'll pray for you as well. Hopefully you got your booklets. Hey, if you don't have one, raise your hand real quick. We'll get an usher to bring you one. Or you can follow along on the app. Follow along on the app. So today we're going to be talking about multiplying in gifting. Multiplying in gifting. So go ahead and turn to page three and page four. This is going to be kind of a two-week series or mini-series within the larger series. So we're going to be talking about multiplying out of gifting. Today I'm going to teach through gifting, and, and next week I'm going to show you several stories and, and several practical ways to use your gifting. Before we go any further this week, let me recap last week. We talked about multiplying out of your identity. That you weren't created to be a consumer, but you were created to multiply. And to learn your true identity, you have to get in the Word of God. To learn your true identity, you have to hear from God Himself. We talked about our one-year Bible reading plan. And and some of you might have forgotten to read a couple days this week. Maybe you missed a day or or two days. Hey, maybe you missed the entire week and you got a little knot in your stomach just now. Can, Can I tell you to remind yourself for the enemy to get out of your head? It's okay if you missed a day. It's okay if you missed a couple days. It's okay if you missed the entire week. Pick it up today when you get home. You are who God calls you and nothing less. You're always who God calls you. Five major points that we're going to be dealing with in our multiplier series. Again, just giving you kind of a recap of what we talked about last week. Week one is going to be identity. Week two and three, we're going to talk about multiplying out of gifting. Week three is, or excuse me, week four is generosity. Week five is soul winning, and then week six is team. Let me fast forward to week six. On that final week, we're going to be giving out what we're calling Xboxes, not to be confused with the gaming console. Fun fact, the only gaming console that I ever owned was a Sega Genesis. Like, I I never really played video games, so when we say we're going to give away Xboxes, people were, like, getting excited. I'm like, I don't do games, so I'm sorry. But but we're giving away this box, and inside the box is going to have an item that uh, correlates with each week for you to be able to take home and to use practically. For instance, week one is identity. We talked about that your identity is formed by the Word of God, so that that takeaway was the Bible reading plan, and in that box you're going to have a journal as well. So week two, this week, multiplying and gifting. If I had to subtitle this message anything, I would call it this, the pattern of of building an unstoppable church. The pattern of building an unstoppable church. What does it mean to be unstoppable? To maximize anything, you have to follow a blueprint. Last Wednesday, Jenna and I, we, we recognized that we needed a date night. And we recognized that we, we, our life has been busy over the past couple months. And I said, hey, babe, you want to go to Bristol, Tennessee? <laughs> She's like, why are we going to, why are we going to Bristol? I'm like, oh, there's a, there's a truck race 
Thursday night. You want to drive three hours and be spontaneous, act like we're in college again? Um, side note, husbands and wives date each other. Right? Be spontaneous sometimes. Do, do stuff that you used to do like 10 years ago, five years ago when you, were a little, when you were a little younger, but be a little spontaneous. So we decided to be spontaneous. And we, we got up to, to Bristol and, and shout out to, to Sheldon and Cammie for, for getting us in the race and, and hanging out with us. But, but there's something about being at a racetrack. Any NASCAR fans in here? Any race fans in the room? Yeah, some race fans. Who's like, oh, I've never really gotten into it. Like, I, I, I've never really understood what racing is all about. Some hands went up all over the place. But, but this is what I know. I, I never really got into racing that much, but there's something about being at a track. There's something about being there and, and having the experience. And, and man, when we got there, there was something about the trucks that were going around the track. They were maximizing their potential. They were getting all the power output and all the speed. And every time they went around the track, you almost felt it in your soul. Listen, Jenna and I aren't huge NASCAR fans. I would say we're probably not NASCAR fans at all. But we had a blast being at the track. We, we almost felt it in our souls. Something about a race car engine. You can have the blueprints to an engine, but you have to build the motor for it to work, right? You have to actually build the motor to have the power output. And every time I go to a race, I'm, I'm blown away at the precision of the engineering, that every single detail matters because these are high-performance Machines And when it comes to building an engine, I don't get to arbitrarily pick and choose how I want to build it, right? There's some, there's some engineers in the room, and, and I don't get to just pick and choose if I want to follow the blueprints or not. I don't get to pick and choose if I want to put this cylinder here or that cylinder there or this timing belt here or, or, or I want to put it behind the motor and I'm going to stop talking about like I know how to build a motor because I really don't. But, but, but I, have to follow, I have to follow the blueprints, to maximize the motor and the speed and the power output, I have to follow the plans. And I think the same can be true about the kingdom of God. If we build things according to the pattern that God gives us, we optimize performance in our own lives. And if we don't build according to God's plan, then we don't. We actually live second-rate lives. Exodus chapter 25, verse 40 says this, build everything according to the pattern that I show you on the mountain. God's got a pattern for everything. Go ahead and look at page four in your books. Let me fill in some blanks for you. There is a pattern of heaven that when we build things on earth according to that pattern, we get earthly results of the heavenly reality. We get earthly results of the heavenly realities. Pastor, what are you talking about? If Noah hadn't built the ark according to the pattern, the ark would have never floated. If Moses hadn't built the tabernacle according to the pattern that God laid out in Scripture, they wouldn't have experienced the fullness of the glory of God. Are you following the pattern that God has for your life? Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church and the gate of hell will not prevail against it. Maybe you're here today and you're like, well, I feel like the gates of hell are prevailing against me. I feel like all hell is coming against me, and I feel like I can't make any, uh, I can't make any steps further. I can't make any steps forward. I, I don't know why I can't move past this situation in my life. And my question back to you would be, how are you building your life? Are there things in your life that aren't centered on the word of God? Let me fill out some more 
blanks for you. If we don't build the church of Jesus according to the pattern he gives us, we won't experience all that he has for us. So how does Christ tell us to build his church? It's the billion dollar question, right? So, so what, what, does, what does Jesus say about building the church? How do we build according to the pattern that God lays out before us? But before we look at how Jesus tells us to build the church, let's look at how the U.S. American church has maybe been built over the past several decades. I think a good illustration would be two different types of ships. And the first ship would be a cruise ship. So go ahead and look on page number three, a cruise ship. That the church exists to provide programs and entertainment. Listen, there's nothing wrong with cruises. Where's my cruise people in the room? Where's like the weird family that goes on a cruise every year? Nobody? Sorry if I called you weird. Like I've, I've, never, I've never been on a cruise, but I want to go on a cruise. Because when people come back from a cruise, they're like, I loved it. I mean, I, I loved going on the cruise, but this is what I know you can't live on a cruise. Because if you live on a cruise, you get fat and lazy. What I know about cruises is that when you come back, you always weigh more than when you left. You weigh 5 pounds, 10 pounds, 15 pounds more from when you left. You can't live on a cruise. And we have to ask ourselves this question. Is the American church producing fat and lazy Christians? The American church producing fat and lazy Christians. Some Christians have become spiritual gluttons treating church like a buffet line. So, so this is what happens. Well, I like that church's worship, so I'm going to go there to listen to their worship. Or, or we say, man, my kids really like that youth group, so, so I'm going to send my kids to that youth group on, on Sunday. But I like the way they do their small groups at the church down the street, so I'm going to go to that church, and I'm going I'm to be a part of their groups. And I like this, and I like that, and we start to pick and choose what we want, and what happens is, what happens is we, we treat church like a buffet line. You know why the average local church in America isn't growing? I, I'm a firm believer it's because people aren't staying to help build the local church. They're picking and choosing what they want. They're becoming consumers. They're just consuming and consuming and consuming. They want the latest. They want the greatest. And one of the most disheartening things that I hear as a pastor is something along the lines of this. Pastor, I love your church on Sunday. I just wish you had this. I, I just wish you had and then fill in the blank. And I want to kindly put my hands behind my back and say, well, bless your heart. <laughs> like if you stayed and helped build it, we would have it. Man, as a church planner, when we had 36 people coming to church, we, 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 didn't have, we didn't have the facilities, man. We didn't, have, we didn't have the kids' stuff figured out. Brittany, you've done a fantastic job figuring out how to, like, corral all the kids back there and, and pouring into them and, and telling them about Jesus. But, man, we had, we had a learning curve. It took a family coming in. When you came in, you weren't on staff. Praise God we got you on staff. But, but when you came in, you said, hey, I'm in. And I want to help and I want to serve. And there's been many families like that. They've come in and they've helped and they've seen where we have growth potential. And they've helped to build the church. Are you building or are you just consuming? We stay comfortable on the cruise ship of consumerism if we're not careful. Another type of ship that the church has, has been in recent decades, and I would say this ship we've probably seen more in recent years and months but it's a battleship. 
the church exists to loudly and dramatically take on a particular cause. So we view the church as an institution that should do most of the fighting, and we just pay the pastor to set the target and fire the guns. But then this happens. If the pastor doesn't fight for my cause, then I can't follow them. So so what happens is we'll come over to a chair and we'll sit down. We'll say, well, if the pastor doesn't mention what's going on in society, then I can't follow them. And if the pastor doesn't preach vaccines or, or non-vaccine, if, if the pastor doesn't preach mask or, or no mask, if the pastor doesn't preach about what's going on in the political climate, then I don't know if I can follow them. So, so what we actually start doing is we start following our own agenda opposed to following the word of God. We start following what we feel and what we want to see on a stage opposed to what the word of God says. Can I, can I let you know, church, if you're looking for a pastor to preach against agenda, it ain't me. If you're looking for a church that preaches popular opinion, we're not it. If you're looking for a church to just affirm your personal and your political beliefs, you're not going to like this one. But this is what I can promise you. We'll always preach the word of God. My hope and my prayer is that your political beliefs and and what you follow aligns with the word of God. I'm not going to preach what you like. I'm going to preach what the Bible says. My hope and prayer is that those things align. If they don't, good, you're in the right place to get them aligned. So so I'm going to preach what the Bible says and what Jesus teaches. I'm not going to preach your agenda or your political stance. My hope is that they align. The third type of ship that we see, what I believe the church should be, is an aircraft carrier. The church exists to equip disciples and make disciples. The church equipped to, let me slow down. The church exists to equip disciples who make disciples. I get excited about this stuff. J.D. Greer wrote this, churches that want to prevail against the gates of hell must learn to see themselves as aircraft carriers. Check this part out. Members need to learn to share the gospel in the community without the help of their pastors and start ministries, Bible studies, and even churches in places without them. Say what? (laughs) Let me read that one more time for those who didn't catch it. Members need to learn to share the gospel in the community without the help of their pastor. I can encourage you on Sunday, I can't have the conversations for you Monday through Saturday. And start ministries, Bible studies, and even churches in places without them. Churches must become discipleship factories, sending agencies that equip their members to take the battle to the enemy. Can I tell you this, that in this new world, the church is not a cruise ship or a handful of people serve everyone else who's just relaxing. The church is an aircraft carrier where it's all hands on deck and everyone serves a mission. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20 says this. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become the holy temple of the Lord. It takes all of us. We jump over to Ephesians chapter 4 starting in verse 4. There is one body. And one spirit, just, just as you were called to one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, 
who is above all and through all and in you all. Notice how many times Paul writes one. I think God's trying to tell us something about unity. Unity is crucial. Henry Longfellow wrote this, all your strength is in your union and all your danger is in your discord. Let me keep going with Ephesians chapter 4, picking up in verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. As he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some shepherds, and some teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Three key things that I want to pick out. From verse 12 and 13, ministry, body, and fullness. The ministry of Christ, the body of Christ, and the fullness of Christ. Go ahead and turn to page number five. The ministry of Christ, the body of Christ, and the fullness of Christ. I told a few people uh, earlier today and this week, this is going to be more of a teaching sermon. So I'm going to dive in. I'll put my professor hat on for a second. All right. I'm going to dive in. We're going to go deeper into Scripture today. Verse 7, the ministry of Christ according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So when we look at the ministry of Christ, whose gift? It's Christ's gift because Christ was the perfect apostle. Christ was the perfect sent one. He was the perfect prophet fulfilling the law of the prophet. He was the perfect evangelist because he was the good news himself. Christ was the perfect shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. He was the perfect teacher. He taught the word. Why? Because he was the word. So the ministry of Christ, the apest, Ephesians chapter 4, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. It's the ministry of Christ. Then we have to go over to the fullness of Christ, looking at verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to the perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let me ask you a few questions. Does God desire the fullness of Christ to be made manifest in the world? Say yes, nod your head. Yes. Respond back. Yes. Yes. There you go. Let me ask you some follow-up questions. Don't respond to these yet. Are we seeing the fullness of Christ being made manifest in the world? Is the U.S. American church a picture of the book of Acts? Are we operating in the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit? Are we seeing miracles like they saw in the book of Acts? In short, I think the answer to all of those is no. I don't think we're experiencing the fullness of Christ in the 21st century modern church. And it breaks my heart. So we have the ministry of Christ. We have the fullness of Christ. Talk briefly about the body of Christ. Verse 7, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some shepherds. So let, let me put it to you this way. If we aren't seeing the fullness of Christ... Is it because we don't have the ministry of Christ in the body of Christ? Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? 
if we're not seeing the fullness of the gospel in our lives and in our society, could it be that the church in its entirety, not just me, but every single person that's sitting in here today, just aren't acting in their gift? What if? What if we would experience the fullness of Christ if each of us would act in our gift set? Looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4. Before we go there, let me throw up some circles on the screen. And this first circle is showing the apest. Again, Ephesians chapter 4, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher as a slice of pie. So, so what happened? This is what Jesus modeled. This is the way the early church did it. And this is the pattern that, that Paul said to use, but, but where did we lose it? Go ahead and cross out the, the A and the P in that next slide. Man, many of us in this room, maybe you've grown up in churches that used like, the words apostles and prophet, and they used it in, in a weird way. They, they used it in a way that actually abused power, and that's not what we're talking about. So we get uncomfortable, and we say, we don't really want to talk about the, the apostle and the prophet in church. We're just, and if I can back up just a little further, I would say in the last five years, we don't even like to talk about evangelists in church. We just want to talk about shepherd and teachers. Because shepherds and teachers, it's safe, and it's easy to talk about, and it's easy to, to, to kind of... Um, it's easy to tell society what a shepherd is and what a teacher is. It's harder to talk about what an apostle is. It's harder to talk about what a prophet is. It's harder to talk about an evangelist. Go ahead and put that second circle up. We have to go back and remember the race car engine. We have to build according to the blueprint of heaven. And I would say that our church, the, the, the U.S. American church, isn't building to the blueprint of heaven. We're starting to cross things out that we don't like. Is APEST really for everyone? Let me do some rapid fire here. Let's look at the context of Ephesians and Acts. Remember, this is part one, so I know I'm going a little deeper today. I'm teaching a little more instead of preaching and giving you illustrations. But this is part of learning and going deeper with Christ. I'll give you some rapid fire. Paul is not writing to a pastor's conference. He's writing to the church. And in his own words, he says to each one of us, if we look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 and Acts chapter 2 verse 4, for approximately 1,600 years, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was not active in the church. In church history, you'll find it kind of scattered throughout but there was no grand account until the Azusa Street Revival. Now there are 523 million charismatic believers worldwide. Let me ask you this question. What if Ephesians 4 is the new Acts 2? For thousands of years, Acts 2 was overlooked, and then God illuminated it and brought it to revival. I believe for thousands of years, Ephesians 4 has been overlooked. Let me give you some vocabulary words. The difference between cessationism and Pentecostalism. I told you I'm going to nerd out a little bit this morning. The basis of cessationism is this. There were gifts that were necessary for the launching of the church that are no longer needed today. So, so there, let me put it in layman's terms. There are things in the Bible that happened then that won't happen now. 
There are healings in the Bible that we saw then, and that was for the launching of the church, but that won't necessarily happen now. There were miracles that happened then, not now. There were spiritual gifts that happened then, they don't happen now. Pentecostalism would say this, everything that happened in the Bible can happen today. The fourth point is this, it wasn't until the third century in the writings of Clement of Alexandria until we find the distinction between the clergy and the laity. So for some reason, Clement decided to say, you know what, I'm going to separate this hierarchical system and we're going to have the pastor sit up here and everyone else sit down here. That's not what Paul was writing about. When Paul says Christ gave gifts to all, that absolutely means all, not just all of the leadership. Not just everyone that has the title of pastor, but to all. Let me compare this with 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Verse 7, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Does it sound familiar? Paul is using the exact same language in 1 Corinthians that he's using in Ephesians. So when we look at 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says this. There's one God, different gifts, and everyone gets a gift. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes this. There's one God, different gifts, and everyone gets a gift. So what does all of this mean? What does it all mean? It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of information. This simply means one thing. You have a gift inside of you that God's calling out of you. It means that there's something embedded in you that God is trying to call out. And the church can never reach its full potential until you act in your gift. The church is laying dormant, not maximizing its full potential. Because I believe that people in the entire church just don't know who they are. So we can talk about identity. We can talk about a relationship with God. And as you go through your identity and as you learn who you are and who God calls you, you're going to learn those gifts. You're going to learn what's inside of you. But it's not so you can sit back and go, oh, I'm pretty good at that. Or, or oh, I, I, can, I have this gift or I have that act of service. God reveals those things to you to pull them out of you so that you would use them. Y'all remember... Y'all remember the movie Wally? Nobody. Wally's like one of my favorite movies. Like I, any, okay, we get weird here. Anybody tear up watching Wally? Because I cried. Like I cried real tears watching Wally. Right? Stop. <laughs> but you remember Wally? Like Wally's all by himself, and it, it kind of starts out sad. Like, like you feel. You feel bad for Wally, but then like you love watching Wally do his thing, right? Because Wally's all by himself on earth. Wally's trying his best to recycle. Wally's trying his best to, to rebuild. Then what happens? Eve comes down. He's like, oh, dear Lord, it's an angel. <laughs> then they fall in love, right? And they end up in space. But do you remember what was in space? It's basically a cruise ship. Fat and lazy. Well, what happened? What happened to the humans? See, see the humans, the humans forgot that, that they were only in space to go back to earth to recreate and to rebuild. 
what, what, happened, what happened in space? B&L gave them everything that they wanted. B&L controlled their appetite. B&L controlled the screens, and they just became consumers, consuming and consuming and consuming and consuming. And they forgot the entire reason that they were taken into space was to go back to rebuild earth. Humanity was never created to be consumers. We were never created to be spiritual gluttons. You were created to multiply, but you can't multiply until you understand who you are and what's inside of you. So the answer to breaking the the spirit of consumerism in your life is not to have less. It's not to just get rid of what you have. That's not the answer. The answer is to use what you are given and multiply for the glory of God. You weren't created to sit and to consume. Some of you have apostolic in you. Some of you have prophetic in you, evangelist in you, shepherding in you, teaching in you. Next week what we're going to do is we're going to show you the yeah, but how. We're going to show you the practicals. And I'll, I'll call a couple people out in the room. Zach, I'm sorry I didn't tell you I was going to do this. I just love picking on you. But, but Zach, I would say that you have apostolic in you. Now, don't, I'm not going to go calling you Apostle Zach, all right? But what is a modern term for an apostle? I would say it's an entrepreneur. I, I've seen you interact with people. I've seen you create things. You, you see things in the future, and they come to pass. Your businesses that you've started. The, the gym was an idea five years ago, but you were an entrepreneur and you, say, you saw it come to pass. Paul, I would say, Paul, I would say that you're a teacher. Man, you, lo- you love to teach. I've seen you with kids. You're here every Monday morning with Gary and the other Liberty Prep worship team students, and you're teaching them. Brian King, I would say that you're a shepherd. Man, Brian, Brian will grab a small, you heard it even when he did offering this morning. He he grabs a small group of people and he loves doing life with them. There's gifts inside of the body and until we recognize who we are, we'll never experience the fullness of God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to end a little differently today. I'm going to talk to two groups in the room. first group is, man, you've realized that, that you've been a consumer. You realize you're guilty of this, this spiritual gluttony. You just take and take. And you, you've done it unintentionally. You, you've shown up to church. You've shown up to the events, but you've never really given back. And maybe you're in the room today and you recognize that you have so much inside of you that God is trying to pull out our prayer for you today would be that you would have a little courage my prayer specifically would be that you wouldn't be afraid to act maybe it's getting involved in a group maybe it's starting a group maybe it's being a part of the worship team or the media team maybe it's serving in kids maybe it's serving somewhere in the community to talk about Jesus maybe there's another group in the room and maybe maybe the other group in the room would say you know all this sounds good I guess but 
man, I'm at, I'm at ground level. All this sounds okay, I guess, and I get what you're saying, but, but man, I, I, don't even really, I don't even really have a relationship with Jesus. Because, Pastor, you mentioned that, that God will call something out of me, but, but i got to get to know God more. Maybe you've never stepped into a relationship with Jesus, and, and maybe today's your day. Can, can I tell you that Jesus, the apostle, was sent for you? Can I tell you that Jesus, the, the prophet, is calling you back into a covenant relationship with the Father? Can I tell you that Jesus, the evangelist, is sharing the good news that your sins can be forgiven? Can I tell you that Jesus, the shepherd, wants to heal you and take care of you? And that Jesus, the teacher, wants to show you a better way to live? You would say, Pastor, that's me, man. I just need a, I need a better way to live because what I'm doing ain't working. All across this room, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. And if that's you, we're just going to pray with you and, and for you. And right after we say this prayer, we're going to step into a brief moment of worship to celebrate your new relationship with Jesus. But it doesn't stop there. It's not just you raising your hand, saying a prayer. You daily living this out. So right outside the doors to the left, we have our wide awake and our fully alive area. Someone will be there to meet with you, to talk with you. Day one of the journey. If that's you all across this room, on the count of three, slip up your hand. Ready? One, two, three. If you'd say, Pastor, that's me, man. I need to step into a relationship with Jesus. Amen. Amen. And if we could say this prayer collectively, could we say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I need you. Pull my gifts out of me. Teach me who you've called me to be. Help me to live wide awake to your love and fully alive to my purpose. And all God's people said, amen and amen.